0: Hey guys, Jason here. Whatsoever's true, and today's subject is how Christianity is the only rational faith, the only rational philosophy in a world full of well irrationality. So you know, we're gonna we're gonna dive right into that. Let's go. Uh, obviously, you probably are hearing this, at, and it's a little bit surprising, perhaps, for anyone to say that Christianity is. F- the only rational philosophy and approach to life because you're used to hearing, well, faith isn't reason. Reason and faith are separate. And that's not right. That's not true. Faith is a particular thing, and it is reasonable. All things that exist have a particular identity. And there's a lot of damage done to us, guys, if we're not understanding this. Faith in this regard is not something that can't be defined. What it is, simply put, and I think the, the, the most bare terms is trusting God. To trust God is faith. And you cannot trust the God you don't know. So the purpose of life would be said in this case as Christians to be faith. We want to be faithful. We want to trust God. And we want to get to know God more. And to know God more is to trust Him more. You know God as your provider. You know Him as your protector. You know Him as your Savior. Yeah, you know Him even Christ as our friend, as the firstborn among many brethren. So we know Him, and we know Him only through Scripture, which is why it's so important to to be in Scripture and and to be learning about it and to be seeking His wisdom in it. Uh, So... This is really the, the whole gist of this, is that what we think about God is going to determine how we live for him. And so what's happened is that we have ended up allowing the world to define the faith for us. And I just heard somebody say, in a, in, in a very well-meaning manner, that, well, it's faith. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Uh, does, and I'm, I'm, I heard that and, and thought to myself, does that make sense? The truth is God. Jesus Christ is the truth incarnate. So whatever is not of truth is not Christ. Whatever is Christ, right, is going to be truthful. Christ can't be irrational. Think about that for a second. And think about the way that it impacts our lives and the way we, we move through things. It's to It's Say in one case, like a lot of us do, well, I don't see how this problem that we might have is going to work out. But, Faith, that is trusting God, is that God can do anything. Is anything too hard for the Lord, as Abraham said? And that's the sort of thing we're talking about. We're not talking about some nebulous, ill-defined concept of faith that's just floating around. You see this a lot in the more emotional, and I'd have to say, churches that are not very doctrinally sound. And doctrine is almost a bad word to them. So they're not loving the Lord with all their heart, mind, mind soul and strength, their, their, their argument is that doctrine and, and in the intellect are separate from a real relationship. But again, in their thinking, that makes sense, right? That's logical. So only Christ and only the Christian worldview is fully logical. Everything else is irrational. It can't be true. It can't be reasonable. So let me let me unpack that a little bit further for you. Number one, Everything starts with Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This has massive implications for everything else that we're doing in life. If, if we start from its premise, that's, that, is, that is true. It's reiterated all the way throughout Scripture. I'll give you Psalm 19, for example. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. And... Romans 1, verses 18 through, all the way through 32, but Romans 1, 18 through 21, very good for that, is that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness are suppressing the truth. Because what can be known about God has been made plain to them ever since creation in the things that have been made. The world and nature are God's. So... He's clearly perceived. If we start from any other premise that God created the heavens and the earth, we will run to the extreme of nihilism, and that is that there's no meaning to anything. Eat, drink today, because tomorrow we die. And you wonder why kids are depressed, right? You, want, you, you wonder, as, as um, you look at the philosophers of, of Sartre and, and Camus and, and some of the, the, the so-called greatest minds of the, of the 20th century, They were left contemplating suicide. They were left contemplating despair. The novelist Dostoevsky in the 19th century understood that without God all things are permissible and understood that without God and Christ at the center, mankind had no hope. And it's really as simple as that. So all, all philosophies, all worldviews that do not start with God created the heavens and the earth are going to run towards meaninglessness, despair, and aloneness. And yes, irrationality. Because you can't make sense of why something needs to make sense, if there's no ultimate sense at the bottom of it, right? When, when you when you think about that, it's just such an enjoyable concept because it keeps bringing us back to Him. It keeps bringing us back to His counsel. Read John one one. You know, in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was right. The Word was God. All things are here because of God. And like you know, my. My son said to me the other day, uh, we were getting in the car, and I had, and he was getting in the passenger seat, and I moved the Bible was on it, so I moved the Bible, and I said, "Why well, don't want you to sit on the Word of the Lord?" And he said, "Well, technically, when I'm sitting, I'm always sitting on the Word of the Lord." And I looked over at him; I, that didn't make any sense to me. And, and and so he smiled. He said, "Well, the Lord spoke everything into creation, so technically, whenever I sit, I'm sitting on His Word, of creation." And I started laughing, and I thought. What a, what a wonderful concept for a young man to tell his dad, right? I mean, what a, what a blessing. But technically, yes, we are walking through God's creation all the time. There's no way around it. So to start from any other premise other than God created everything leads us into a world that ultimately can't make any sense. We don't have any rationality for, well, rationality. Why, why does anything have to be rational? Why does anything have to mean anything? Why is there science? Who cares, right? Why is there morality? Why is there beauty? All of that stuff. Why do you matter? There you go. No one answers that question. Where did everything come from? Why does it mean anything? Christianity answers it right away in Genesis 1. And then, now the next question is, and when people who complain about this will then start moving to the complaints about the, the created order. They'll start arguing about the presence of evil, the presence of pain. Well, from Genesis 1, we have Genesis 3. And when we say that, we mean, God created the heavens and the earth and it's all good. But, man rebelled against God. Man doesn't have an intellectual problem. He doesn't have a poverty problem. He doesn't have a, a social standing problem, right? He has a moral problem. Mankind falls into sin because man wants to be his own God. He doesn't want to be accountable to the true and living God. And man, man is traumatized, sinful man especially, traumatized by our, by our encounter with the holy God. Because of sin. We are no longer seeking God, we are running from Him. Remember, Adam and Eve hid from God. So, one of the, one of the most damaging things you're going to hear is that people are seeking God. No one seeks God. Romans 3. Right? Romans 3. For all, right? no one, No one seeks after God. All have gone astray. So when people call non-believers seekers, they're calling God a liar. And it's very important for us to understand these terms. That's what I mean by sound doctrine. It will make such an impact in our lives if we're thinking truthfully because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And to think about Jesus, we must think about him truthfully. To have a real relationship, we must think about Him and know Him truthfully. And this is according to the doctrine of Scripture that He's given us. So, He created everything, heavens and the earth, everything's good. But then, what? Man fell into sin. And then, God redeems us in Christ. So, you have the creation, the fall, redemption. And we're going to the fourth big one, which was glorification, or the consummation at the end of the age. So the Christian worldview accounts for why there's anything? Why does it mean anything? Well, because the creator himself is ultimate and he is personal. So he's, there's not like an abstract ultimate. There is a personal ultimate in the Lord our God. This makes sense of everything that we know about life. And it makes sense about why you matter. It also, because of Genesis 3 and sin, makes sense of why we suffer from depressions. We suffer from aloneness and despair. Some of us suffer from illness. Some of us suffer from poverty and oppression. This is a sin-sick world. But God, one of the greatest l- lines in all Scripture, but God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. Now, whosoever believes in Him sh- shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is the glory of the Gospel. And what is it? what does it mean to have faith? It means to to just basically accept the obvious of Genesis 1, Genesis 3, and yeah, John 3:16, and all the rest of the glories of Scripture, of God is the righteous God, right? Because the righteousness of God has been revealed in, in the gospel. That God is so holy and so perfect, right? So righteous, and we are not, that the only way into his presence, the only way to, to satisfy God justice is through Jesus Christ. That's rational. It's logical. There's a logic to the gospel that is not in anything else. It can't account for where everything came from and what's wrong with everything and what to do about it. So those are the three big categories. Okay? Again, God created everything, it's good. There's no part of creation that's just inherently bad. Everything is good. But sin entered into to creation when man rejected God's authority, decided to be his own God, decided to be his own judge of right and wrong, decided to think in terms of self rather than the Lord, made ourselves the center of the world, the center of the universe, the center of the, the final standard of appeal for right and wrong and good and evil rather than God. And that cast all of us into sin, right? All of nature groans into veil, awaiting the revealing of the sons of God, Romans 8. So All of nature is is stuck, animals too, in this sin-cursed world. But, what to do about it? There's hope in the gospel. And the only ultimate hope is in Jesus Christ. See, this makes sense of everything. So when you say faith, don't think faith means it's irrational. Don't think faith is an emotion. Faith is a conviction in the God who revealed himself in scripture. This changes everything about the way we live no longer are we living in a in a dark and and impersonal place. We're living in God's world. Is it mysterious? Absolutely. We don't know God's will all the time. We know his revealed will, we know his preferred will that we be that we be saved, that we repent of our sin, that we be thankful and we glorify him. And this makes sense of that. Now, you might say, okay, 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 okay. But I'm saved, or I know other people that are saved, and they still do terrible things. I still struggle with sin or things like that. So how do you make sense of that, Mr. Christian? Well, once again, Scripture gives us an answer. We are, we are justified, and then we have sanctification, a process of growth and development. In, in First Timothy, Paul talks about physical training is of some benefit, but godliness is of all benefit. All of our sin nature is not done away with in this lifetime. We will be removed from the possibility of sin in the age to come. In this world, we are removed from the penalty of sin, but not the full presence of it. We are now able not to sin, but we're still, we, some of us will still have more sin nature in us than others. That's God's, that's mysterious. I understand that. I don't get the memo. I'm in sales, not management. But man in sin will not seek after God. He wants the benefits of God, but he doesn't want God. Man is seeking about, like, people who are seeking peace and are seeking the blessings of God, but they don't want God. So don't misconstrue that and think, well, that means they're seekers of God. No, they're seekers of the blessings of God, but not Him. So, after repentance, we then begin to grow in Christlikeness. That will account for why you see some uneven growth, why you see some Christians who are weaker in their faith than maybe, you know, we think we should be, and ourselves included. Because we're moving towards that great day of the actualization of all of this potential we have in Christ. So we have, on the one hand, Genesis 1, creation. That, that explains where everything came from and why everything and ourselves have meaning. Number two, what's wrong? The fall. Sin. That's what's wrong. Number three, well, what do we do about it? Is it hopeless? No. There's Christ. There's Christ. And the gospel is this. Ready? When Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If we read that, you are loved, right? Because you obey. No, no. It it is to say that, and it's the big thing, that you are loved, therefore you will obey. So that's the key to that. You are loved, therefore you will obey. If we reverse this, We lose the gospel. All right, if we lose this, we reverse it, we return to pre Reformation Christianity. All of the gospel hinges upon you are loved, therefore you will obey. We follow him because of what he did. He delivered us out of slavery. You know, you read the Old Testament, you read Exodus, and you see that they're delivered from the slavery of Egypt. We're delivered from a slavery of sin. Moses was a type. Everything in the Old Testament is a type, all pointing towards Christ. We have that reality now. He doesn't love us because we obey. He loves us, and then we will obey out of gratitude. And the more we know about him, the more we will obey. We're not even trying to because we're so grateful. That's the life of a Christian. And you know, people say, you know, Christians are self-righteous and so forth. That, that's impossible. That, you can't be a Christian and be self-righteous because you have the righteousness imputed to you in Christ. So, summing this up again. Faith is reasonable because everything i just laid out is perfectly rational, right? And it's the only thing that makes sense of everything that we're talking about. That's it. If you try and make sense of everything else in life, where did everything come from? Why does it mean anything? Right? What's wrong with everyone? What's wrong with the world? And why can't we fix it? Why do all of our attempts to fix things just make stuff worse? How do you make sense of all that? Well, like I just said, creation, fall, redemption, so Christians, Christians have the correct worldview if we understand that those big guidelines. Creation, fall, redemption. And it's not perfect yet. We have the perfect Christ. But the age to come where we're removed from even the possibility and presence of sin still awaits us. And that is why we endure. And some of these things will not make sense to us, but that doesn't mean they're irrational. That just means we don't have the full context. We're like children sitting in the back seat on the way on a trip. Going, how much longer? And, and dad, mom, dad have to say, uh, you know, 75 minutes. And you know the child doesn't have a context though. 75 minutes doesn't mean anything to them. Or two hours or whatever. And you say, a little while longer. Or, right, <clears throat> that's what we're like. We do not have the full context to understand everything going on. But we know the God who does. And this goes back to the doctrine of creation. He is the sovereign creator. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. We're not. But we can know truly the God who knows all things. We can know truly the God who knows everything comprehensively. And there you go. So faith is trusting and knowing that God through faith in Christ. That's it. Trusting Jesus Christ for your eternal security because you know you're a sinner and you know you've fallen short and you know you deserve hell. And you know that you have let him down, and you know there is no hope. And you go to Christ, and you trust him, because he is perfect, and he is God, and he loves you. Therefore, with holy tears of repentance and, and, and uh, despair over your, our fallen condition, and we renounce self-efforts, a self-soteriology, if you will. It's a, a theological way of saying self-salvation. Rejecting all of that and just resting completely in him, that is the most rational and really the only rational thing any one of us can ever do. That's it. So, this Christmas season, when we, we celebrate the, the remarkable, miraculous birth of the God-man, of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we, we'll hear the word faith, But don't think that the faith that we have is unreasonable. It's not an emotion. It is truth. (laughs) We are simply agreeing with God. We are being the most rational we could ever be in all of our lives. When we agree with God about ourselves and about the world. And this truth, yes, sets us free. All those who hear the truth hear Jesus Christ, the voice of Christ, all of us. To hear Christ is to hear the truth. To hear the truth is to hear Christ. There you go. It is that simple. Um, anyway, <clears throat> as always, I'll say, I hope, <laughs> my, 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 it's becoming my tag offline here. I do hope this is helpful, and I so very much hope it is edifying for you. And uh, this is something that's pa- I'm passionate about because I was saved when I was a young man uh, before the TV was uh, thirteen years old, and I was listening to Billy Graham talking about you know death and hell and salvation, repentance of sin. and and I was saved. But I wasn't saved in knowledge. I, I wandered around, i was I was in some churches, I didn't understand the gospel. And then I wandered away for for several years. And thankfully, the Lord brought me back to himself. and I did not understand the faith. And so therefore, the relationship that I had with Christ, was was stunted. And I, I I needed to understand the Word, to grow in faith. Those two are inextricably connected. They're linked. And unfortunately, bad preaching today and bad teaching doesn't explain that to us. And so I hope this is helpful in that regard, because wandering away from the faith and wandering away from the lord or trying to trying to, to to understand life without the scripture is a terrifying and lonely thing and it's it's depressing so if you are struggling if you are sometimes angry at the way the world is going or depressed at this your circumstances or whatever it is go to him read the psalms you will find a psalm that will teach you how to pray about the situation you're in You know, you have 150 chapters in there written really for you. Everything else written kind of written to you. That's written for you to go, oh, how am I supposed to pray about this? How am I supposed to... Think about this. Um, I want to do another podcast on that. It's just being Psalms. Everybody's talking about getting mental health professionals. Psalms are our mental health professional (laughs) care because the divine psychiatrist has already gone ahead of us and taken upon himself to write, give us these great Psalms and to write these things down for us so we would know how to approach our emotions that are so often mysterious to us, how to approach our reactions to life, which are, again, sometimes just bewildering to us, who are overwhelmed. So, that's the hope here, that this is edifying in that regard, that you understand this is reasonable. Faith is a real thing, and it's poured into our hearts. The love of Christ is poured into our hearts. And remember, we want to understand the gospel this way. We are loved, therefore, we will obey. Not, He loves us because we obey. If if we can get this in our heads, remember what I said, it was a quote from my, my my mentor, Gabe Bluer, when he said, <clears throat> what you think about God will determine how you live for him. that's so how I wrote that down in my, my, uh, my Bible, in fact. He was preaching from Zephaniah that day. That was the, uh, an April morning about four years ago, almost five years ago now. And um, that's what I, I hope to impart to you. Hopefully it was helpful. And I hope you guys are having a great day, wherever you are listening to this. And you praise our God and Heavenly Father. In Christ's name, amen.